Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the 13th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of September 8th, 2019. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we have a very difficult text to wrestle with this week, to go through this week, as we are going through just major transformation, I feel like, in the church, as we are transitioning, at least here in the northern part of the northern hemisphere, into that fall season pretty abruptly. Also, a lot of congregations, this is kind of rally Sunday, getting ready for that new year. The congregation I'm at, I know it will be next Sunday, but it's one of those times where, again, you're feeling that new energy that I've been talking about for the last few weeks. And I think this is a very interesting text this week to be able to dig in, to look at, to consider when we're looking at and trying to figure out what this all means as we are pursuing and continuing to grow in our faith. But before we get into that, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, their seminary professors and pastors themselves being able to give you advice and different ideas and things to consider, especially since I'm not an ordained minister, on how to approach these texts. And it really helps me on a week-to-week basis to be able to bring this podcast to you. One final thing before we jump into this week's text, we have to look at last week's Twitter question, which was, where else around you do you see the humbling of creation, and what can you learn from that? I know this was an interesting text. I know a lot of people came up to me this last week and were talking to me being humble like a milkweed. I have a really interesting email conversation from someone talking about the effect that we have on people and we don't realize how quickly they may or may not be with us in that type of situation and how, again, that can be an experience that kind of bring us together to think about and to consider how precious this life is. And I think that type of idea this week really plays well into what we're going to talk about this week. But it's also one thing I want to finally bring up. I know a couple weeks ago I brought up stuff about the Amazon. And one of the facts that I threw out was that 20% of our oxygen comes from the Amazon, which since recording that, I found a video again from the person that I gotten the source from, from SciShow and Vlog Brothers, Hank Green. And he has posted a video about how he was mistaken with that. And I will attach it down below. So I want to kind of publicly come out and talk about how I was even tricked. And again, it's one of these things that we've talked about before in the past with science and making sure that we're keeping ourselves in check. And it's one of the things then that I wanted to make sure that I brought to you is there will be a link down below on how there was a little bit of miscalculation there. But still, the Amazon contributes a significant amount of oxygen for our world. And there's still a lot of concerns going on about it. But I think it's time to move on and get into this week's text. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 14 verses 25 through 33. And if you have had a good time reading through Luke, I think this week might disrupt that a little bit. Jesus is with a large crowd and he kind of comes very hard on the crowd. Especially, I think, verse 26. Whoever comes to me and does not hate 
father and mother, wife and child, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be a disciple. And he goes through this process of discussing how whenever somebody's building something, is one of his examples, that they go through and plan how the building is going to come to be and how much is it going to cost because they'd be ridiculed if they began to build and it didn't finish it. He also then uses the example of a group of warriors that a king is wanting to attack an army and calculating is his number of soldiers that he has going to be able to defeat a larger army. And if not, then that they should have some type of peace negotiations with this other group. But I think one of the things that is really poignant and I think really important for us to really, for me at least, as I'm reading through this this time, is verse 33. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. And I think this is a hard text in the developed world when we're thinking about possessions because we are bombarded with advertisements talking about how we need the consumption of stuff in order to be happy and this really rubs the wrong way and i think it's one of these things where we need to look at some of the other readings here this week i help give context to where that's going but i think there is a point where we also have to consider what is our obsession with consumption and what is that doing to us the first reading this week is from deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 through 20 this has some similar tones to the gospel but very different in the same way and this is where we're getting remember we're in deuteronomy we're kind of getting law being talked about to us here and how the lord is trying to walk us and give us ways of being prosperous, ways that will bless us as we are continuing in our own way. But it's stating in verse 17, the heart turns away. We do not hear. We bow down to other things. And these types of practices lead us toward perishing, lead us toward places that really we don't want to be. And it's the question of, do we want to hold fast the blessings that we have seen and known from the descendants passed on before us who have walked out the faith? Or do we want to continue on our own selfish ambitions? And it's a really interesting text to kind of wrestle with in tune with the gospel text. But I would also argue this week, the alternative first reading does a good job with that also out of Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 1 through 11. And Jeremiah here is talking with the Lord and the Lord uses the metaphor of a potter. That the potter is at the wheel and he might have a vision in his head of what he is trying to create. And if something happens where there's an imperfection in the clay or they're working it, if you've ever worked on a wheel and you're thinning the clay and suddenly you get it too thin and it breaks, that the potter is a master potter and is able to now take that deformity and say, I'm no longer making this, I'm going to make something else and is able to make something different. And compares that then to the nation of Israel. 
and how he has plans, but when we get in the way, he has to change the plan. And some of the blessings that may have come from the original plan now can't happen at this time because it just wouldn't work. So it's one of these, again, ideas, and I feel these two readings, again, tie really beautifully together, even with the gospel text, to really consider what are we all doing? What is the effect of all these different things that we do on a daily basis to ourselves that affect our relationship with Christ and those around us, which the Jeremiah reading brings up beautifully? The psalm this week is Psalm 1. The whole thing, all six verses. And again, this continues down that same path that we are working on this week, that we are trying to reach toward what God is providing and to not follow the paths that are going to lead us astray, that they are paths that are going to lead toward Things where God isn't wanting us to be. Places where we're going to be lost. We're going to be trying to figure out what we're doing. Where God has a path of blessing for us. As long as we are able to tune our ear to it. I would argue this week the second reading is one of the harder readings. But I think it also kind of puts a bow on it if you're willing to dig into this text a little bit this week. It's from Philomen chapter 1 verses 1 through 21. It's an extremely short book here in the New Testament. Paul is writing to the original owner of this slave. And the slave had originally run away and meets Paul and through that comes to Christ. Paul then recognizing he'd be great to have this guy around, but is sending him back and is showing the Christ-like love of understanding that this guy has more to give going back home than staying with him at this time. And also using this as a tool and understanding that what Paul may personally want and is hoping at some point that he's able to reconnect, but he needs to go back to his original owner to be able to share the love of Christ with this letter, essentially explaining what's gone on. Really interesting text to kind of wrap this all up. And when I think about this, I just got back from a short vacation myself, partially why this is getting out much later in the week than I would like. But I wonder about that with ourselves. And I think it's within science itself, and I can give an example of that. But I think when we also look to the world in which we are in outside of ourselves, we understand the gospel text much easier. And it's very concerning, I think, in a lot of ways for a first world country. And I think it's a good wrestle that we're going to be going through with this. So let's hang in there and let's dig into this. So the science example I want to use, especially kind of focusing in on that last verse in the gospel text, within science, one of the biggest things like in anything that you have difficulty with is funds. Where are the funds for this research coming from? 
And it can come from grants. It can come from different national organizations. It can come from colleges. There's a lot of different places where that funding can come from. But just like anything, there's always fights in a way over money. One of the examples that I have is when I was working within a state DNR job. I distinctly remember just feeling all the red tape that I was having to run through just to be able to do science. I was in a smaller department, and one of the things that we were doing is we had been doing some of this processing, and it was trying to bring the people who were over my boss out to show them what we're doing to argue that this small chunk of money, really in the scheme of things, should go toward this research. And so then in a way to me, it didn't feel like we were actually entirely focused on the research. It was also that we needed to make sure we had solid results, which we've talked about in the past and how that can be a slippery slope, but trying to develop and make sure that we had results to essentially show that this is a worthy cause for us to continue to get funding for, which to me, the scientist, that's not why I want to be doing science, is to be constantly worried about raising money. In that case, they were able to get the funding, and I know the project has continued even though I am no longer there. But there are a lot of times in science, there's things that we want to be able to do. There's things that in theory could really be awesome, but the cost and scale at which you would need to do them is really difficult. It's really difficult to fully justify at times all these different projects and at what cost does it no longer make sense to even test it. So one that I just ran across, and again, I'll attach the link down below, they're talking about solar geoengineering. And one of the things that we, in theory, could do, and there's going to be some tests and people have invested in, is can we make a, essentially other light bouncing particles? So when the solar radiation is coming in, that it hits this layer of particles that will bounce some of the solar radiation back out in the space to help drop the temperature climate. And there's a lot of arguments in a way back and forth. And should we be doing this? We almost would need to do it on a global scale. What's the effects that it's going to do on everybody? Because there is no like alternative if you're going to start doing this. Also that you have to keep doing reapplications of this. Is it worth it? Is this actually just helping us continue down the problem of solar radiation and possible climate change that is coming from it? And you know from my stance that it is happening. That what is that doing? Is it just putting a band-aid on something and is not actually doing change? Because it is just a something essentially to help weather the storm, pun intended. Is that really the best way of doing this? But when I think about and dig into these texts a little bit more and think about what are we really looking at here? Christ is really trying to get to the point of how much he cares about us and that we, through that process, especially that we pick up from Philomen, that love of Christ will come through us as long as we continue to work and build 
the relationship. But the relationship is based on dependence. It's based on us giving up the free will to depend on God and trust that he is going to provide for us, which isn't necessarily our nature right away. But again, I would argue if we look to our neighbors outside of ourselves, we see this. The first example that I would like to use is looking at plant life. Can you imagine what plants would say if they could talk and that we could understand it? How much complaining they would go through (laughs) talking about the soil being too wet, too dry, bad soil. Why am I planted here? Or a tree, for goodness sakes. When I was planted here, it was great. But now conditions have changed and this is no longer where I want to be. It would be crazy. And how much they would want to move, change locations, do their own thing. But when a plant grows, there is some type of dependence on wherever they're growing. They really didn't probably get that much say in it. But really, there's a dependence on that the soil is going to be there, that they're going to get the right amount of moisture, they're going to get the right amount of sun to be able to grow and multiply. There is a dependence in giving up everything for that. I look at our mammals or different creatures that can walk, but specifically, let's look at a squirrel for a moment. Squirrels have very simple lives and the scheme of things when you want to think about it really they're concerned about having somewhere dry for their family trying to make sure that they can get out of the effects of the weather and trying to be nearby a food source something that's fairly consistent preferably and they aren't always in the ideal locations but as long as those two are met they're good. They'll deal with it. They'll work through it as long as they can. And at some point, maybe they move to find a better location. When I moved into my apartment that now I've been in for a year, which is crazy to think about, but the question I kept getting was, what do you think of your apartment? Which is really a weird question when you think about it. But the comment that I kind of kept coming back around to is, it's dry, I feel safe that I can put my head down at night. Is there really anything more that I really need? I mean, sure, I know that there's a lot nicer places around, but to satisfy my basic needs, it fulfilled that. I think this is where Christ is getting at here. He is getting bigger. People are wanting to put him on these different stage to be more known. And he's saying, I don't need that and neither should you. We get wrapped up and we all know this in all these things that we should have, we could have, we need in quotes. We don't really need, we don't really need that much. And one of the things that we have been gifted is the ability to be able to move, to be a vessel that God can actively use to move. If he wants us somewhere, we can get there. He physically gives us gifts to be able to move to those locations. I was in Arizona, and even me being in a desert 
one of the things that blew my mind to really grapple with and understand i was still in a very arid climate but there's still lakes there's still places of oasis do you think they're there somewhat on purpose not only for us to admire and to to use but they're bird sanctuaries because it's a major part of the migration route that there's literally signs i was at lake watson in prescott arizona there are literally signs talking about how important it is for the migratory route while i was there why it's the oasis it's the place that can help them get to the next place that they need to go on their migratory route they have to have the trust that they are going to make it to that lake in the middle of a desert so that they can continue on we humans struggle with that exact thing we see where we need to go and we say oh we can't do that i can't get there there is no way i can do that where is the break where is the oasis where is the place to help me survive not knowing fully what that lies ahead but we so often see what the goal is and try then rationalizing it and realizing no i can't do that it'd be too hard but we don't know what oasis what blessings what gifts what moments of pausing has god set up but by us saying no we're then becoming the clay with the deformity where suddenly the blessings that he had lined up for us are gone. And the question then that we don't even know how to answer is by us saying no, how is that affecting everybody around us? What does that do? What blessings are we hurting within our tribe, within our nation? To use the words from the text, what ways is our heart saying we can't do that i need to go in this direction which maybe isn't the fulfilling blessing that we need see the other thing that's i think so important again when you're working with this text is remember the second reading remember that this wasn't done alone paul is sending out Philomen to go and do ministry to another person, but that he's still supporting him. That they did this together. When we're talking about in Jeremiah, it's a nation. It's not an individual. And that's where it's really interesting. Even in the Deuteronomy text, it's talked about as descendants. Choosing life so that you and your descendants may live. Coming from the end of verse 19. This is not in a vacuum of a single person's life. This is in the vacuum of eternity, which we struggle with. We think about the here and now extremely well. And if you really don't believe that, look at the statistics of retirement packages on what typical people have set aside by age 40. I'll attach links down below. It's scary. It's scary because we don't like thinking about it. But we don't like thinking about the blessings that can come from the pursuit of chasing God. We love seeing the end result and saying, I want to be that. But we don't see the work and effort and tears that come before that to get there. Sometimes it means that we have to be satisfied with less. 
Sometimes it means we have to be satisfied with what we might think is not an ideal situation. Sometimes it means giving things up to pursue where God is telling us to go. We all have had times where we don't understand what God is doing, but we have to be okay with that and relish that and trust that God is in that moment, that God is still working and still is pushing us toward the blessing that he has for us. So the Twitter question this week will be more of a reflection I'll encourage you and I'll put it this way. Go out into nature and observe it this week. Spend some time out there and think about what is God pushing me toward that I've maybe bucked, that I've maybe rejected. And how do I get toward that this week? How do I draw closer to that? Because we see again in that second reading what happens when we lean into that love of Christ. When we lean into that, The blessings of where God may take us may one, be crazy, but two, think about the changed life that Philomen was going through. It's crazy, but it's powerful. Christ has that ability for all of us, for all congregations. It's just, are we willing to step up to the plate first to be able to listen and then to be able to do whatever we're being told, no matter how crazy it may seem. So. We'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.